You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Well, hey, good morning, and thanks for joining our online worship today. You know, one of the things that I absolutely hate more than, more than really anything else is to be late for events or appointments that I've made, or even to have to cancel appointments uh, that, I, that I have with people. But we know that sometimes you just can't help but have to cancel appointments and, and have to be late for things. And, and even though for the majority of the time I don't like to break appointments, I'll admit there are some appointments that I wish I could break. Usually once, once a year I'll get a call from my dentist and they'll say, Hey, Mr. Hale, we haven't seen you in almost a year. It's about time for you to, to make that appointment and come in and get your checkup and, and get your teeth cleaned. And I'll make the appointment, but I'll be honest with you, I hate going to the dentist. And so as the day gets closer and, and I'm you know maybe a week or two weeks out from that appointment, I try and find every reason under the sun to, to cancel that appointment. Here's a real quick status update for you, though. If you're like me and you don't like to break appointments, but some you wish you could you don't break appointments with God there are some appointments that we might desire to break and some appointments that we need to take uh we need to take a break from but you don't break uh, you don't break appointments made by God and, and many of us like Jonah seemingly forgot to read that memo Jonah didn't have a have a calendar app on his phone to remind him that hey I've got an appointment with you if if he had that reminder, he would have seen the, the reminder from God. It would said, you have an appointment with me in Nineveh. Today we're in part three of our series, Running from Mercy. And as we look at some, some lessons from the book of Jonah, and if, if you've missed the first couple of weeks, let me just catch up real quickly. Jonah was a prophet uh, to the nation of Israel, and he was told to get up and go to the city of Nineveh and to preach the word of God to the Ninevites. Nineveh was a very corrupt city. It was full of of sin and it was a major metropolitan area though and the word of God to to Jonah was clear the word of God was get up and go preach the word to Nineveh so Jonah got up but instead of going to Nineveh he went down to Joppa got on a boat and went to Tarshish it was there that that Jonah's rebellion was really called out he he rebelled against God by not going to, to Nineveh in the first place, not doing what he was told to do, even though the word of God was clear. Nineveh, uh, Jonah's rebellion wasn't wasn't rooted in ignorance. He knew exactly what God wanted him to do. His his rebellion was rooted in rank disobedience. And so Jonah gets on the boat, and they're heading to Tarshish, and there's a great storm that comes up on the sea, and and Jonah sees this as God God reminding him that you had an appointment to go to Nineveh. And now you're rebelling. And so, so Jonah and the sailors that are on that boat, they come to this conclusion. They cannot outrun their sin. And so the sailors come to Jonah and they ask, hey, what should we do? And Jonah says, hey, throw me overboard and, and the, sea will, the, the sea will calm. And so eventually they, they do. They get to the end of themselves because the storm is just so bad and there's nothing else that they can do. And they, they throw Jonah into the sea. And what they discover in that moment is that they can't outrun their sin, but you also can't outrun God's grace and God's mercy. Jonah uh, essentially decided that he was not going to keep his appointment with God. But God's appointments are not invitations. When God didn't invite Jonah to, to go to Nineveh. He commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh. And, and Jonah had to learn the hard way that God keeps his appointments. When, when God wants something done by us or through us or, or with us, 
He has the appointed means and, and to, to get it done. And because he has the appointed means, he, he ha- often has the appointed times to, to bring something to his appointed end. One of the most remarkable uh, verses in all of Scripture is the last verse of chapter 1 in Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, it says this. It says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. What an incredible demonstration of God's mercy and power and, and just the majesty of God. Look, it says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. It really is a testimony to the grandeur uh, of God's ability and, and and his working in this world and in our lives to, to appoint something to, to honestly protect Jonah. It also should be a reminder to us that God has an endless supply of resources at his disposal. There's nothing that God can't have that, that he would need to, to get his, his will done. God used a great fish. He appointed a great fish to, to swallow Jonah because it was a means to an end. It, it should remind us that, that God sometimes needs to use inexplicable means. That, that God's means sometimes are so inexplicable, we, we just can't explain them. We can't understand them. The appointment of this great fish to swallow Jonah is, is what usually gets talked about in the story of Jonah. We, we always talk about you know Jonah in the whale or Jonah in the great fish and how a great fish swallowed Jonah up. How, how it swallowed a person, how Jonah lived in the belly of a whale for, for three nights and or three days. And, and we think, how implausible is that? How do you explain that? But I think it points to, to an even greater God. Yeah, the, the fish is a, is a huge deal in this story. But, but if we focus solely on the fish, we miss out on the greatness of God. God is the one who appointed the fish. And the one who appoints is always greater than the one appointed. It reminds us that a great God has means that are often beyond our explanation. How do you explain that a great fish swallowed Jonah? It it seems nearly unbelievable and and inexplainable. I'm convinced that if we were to run into those sailors uh, that had thrown Jonah into the the water, and we would have said, hey, hey, Jonah, how'd you get here? If if they were to run into him and, and see his story, to hear his story, can, can you imagine that conversation, how unbelievable it would seem to those sailors? You know, they, they walk up to Jonah and they say, hey, how, how did you make it here? How did you survive the sea? And Jonah might say, well, hey, you, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. They say, well, we'll try us. And Jonah might say, well, okay, but you're not going to believe me. You guys, you threw me into the water. You threw me overboard and I was sinking to the bottom of the ocean. And then out of nowhere, this huge fish just came in and swallowed me up. And for three days and three nights, I was in the belly of this fish. And then something happened. The, the, belly, the, the fish got a bellyache. It, it's got a stomachache, and it swam closer to the shore, and it vomited me up onto the shore, and now here I am. Sailors would say, you're right. We don't believe you. The, the truth is, is that when God decides to move and God decides to accomplish His will, He often uses inexplicable means. And it's not just a, a fish that would swallow up a person. Um, we see it throughout the, throughout the scriptures. How do you explain a, a bush that burns but doesn't actually burn up? Or a donkey that's riding, uh, that is being ridden by a prophet and it's going into town and all of a sudden the donkey turns around to the prophet and begins to speak to him. How do you explain that? You, you don't. How do you explain that salvation comes through the foolishness of preaching? The, these things are, are simply inexplicable. 
you, you don't fully understand them. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, he says, How great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand His decisions and His ways. L- listen to me on this, folks. There are some of you that are going through some storms like Jonah went through. And, and God is desiring to do something in your life, and you just don't understand how it's going to happen. Some of you have been there, you're on the other side of that storm, and you have no idea how you got to the other side other than just to say, God moved in my life. And when you tell your story to your friends, they say, well, that doesn't make sense. And you just say, I know, I know it doesn't make sense, but, but it is what it is. God has done something in my life. God uses inexplicable means sometimes to, to get his will accomplished. His means aren't just inexplicable sometimes, but but they're also always unforgettable. This fish, this, this great fish, have you ever forgotten this story from the first time you heard it? This is one of the most famous stories in all of, uh, in all of the Bible, but not just in all of the Bible, in all of literature, Jonah and, and the what? The, the whale, right? If I asked you to fill in the blank for that, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that wouldn't answer the whale. It's an unforgettable story because God's appointed means are not only inexplicable sometimes, but they're also always unforgettable. Some moments and movements of God in history are simply unforgettable. We don't have to be reminded of them because they've practically been imprinted on our hearts. I don't have to remind you that there are Ten Commandments or that Noah built the ark. I don't have to remind you that it was David who defeated Goliath with just a rock and a slingshot. I don't have to remind you that it was Jonah that was swallowed by a great fish because you just don't forget these powerful acts of God. And when God acts in powerful ways in your life and in the lives of people around you, you simply don't forget it. Because God's means are often inexplicable, and they're always unforgettable. Appointed means come at appointed times, and so the rest of verse 17 says, And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This fish swallowed Jonah because God had appointed the fish. It was the means, and Jonah was in the belly of this fish for, for three days and three nights because God had appointed the time. Can you imagine Jonah being in the belly of a fish? For, for three days and three nights. Can you imagine what that must have been like? What, what it smelled like? I don't know about you, but when, when I go fishing, just you, you catch a fish and you're holding it up to take that picture because you've caught this huge fish and just that smell of fish that gets on your hands. Like it, we haven't washed our hands enough during this virus pandemic to, to get rid of that smell. It stays on your hands. Can you imagine what that smell was like in the belly uh, of a of a fish for three days and three nights, what Jonah must have smelled like. It, it was awful, I'm sure. And three days and three nights, it really doesn't seem like that long of a time, but if you're in the belly of a fish, it probably seems like eternity, doesn't it? You know what God was doing here, what God was doing when Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights? God was once again confirming his appointment with Jonah. It was as if God had said, Jonah, you have an appointment with me in Nineveh. And because you decided to run away, now you're going to sit in the waiting room for, until it's time for your appointment. The, the belly of the fish was, was literally God's waiting room for Jonah. And if you've ever sat in a waiting room, then, then you understand what it's like to sit there and to wait and to wait and to wait and to wonder how long is this going to last? How long am I going to have to sit here? 
In fact, we all, we all probably understand what that's like right now because we're all waiting for, for this virus to pass and, and for life to return to some sort of normalcy. And one of the questions that we're constantly asking is, is how long? How long is this going to last? How long until we can get back to normal? How long till, till life will just be what it was before? But I would encourage us not to simply ask that question, how long? It's an important question, no doubt, but, but maybe not the only question. Maybe, maybe the question we ought to be asking besides how long is, what's next? What, what's next uh, might have been what Jonah was thinking when he was thinking, how long is this going to last? Is it going to three days, three nights? Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be a year? I don't know, but, but what's next after I get out of the belly of this well? What's next ought to be the question that the church is asking for, for when all of this is over. What's next should be what our families are asking. You know, what's next for our family schedules and our activities. You see, waiting keeps us in, in a humble position to seek God and to hear His directions. Waiting strengthens us for, for future moments of, of God doing things when, when life isn't going our way. Wait, waiting is difficult. And if I'm really honest with you, I'll, I'll tell you that I don't wait very well. It's one of the things that I like to do the least. But if I know anything about, about waiting, if the narratives of Scripture teach me anything about waiting, it's that on the other side of the wait, God has a plan far greater than we could have ever imagined that, that may not have happened if it weren't for the wait. God promised Abraham a child and he waited, he waited on God for 25 years. Jacob waited for 14 years to be able to marry Rachel. Joseph waited in a prison for three years for a crime that he, he didn't commit. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert wandering around. Jonah waited three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much longer we're going to have to wait to get through this virus and to get through this quarantine. I, I just don't know. But I know this, I know that God hasn't forgotten about us. That that just like he didn't forget about Jonah or any of those others mentioned in Scripture, and that God on the other side of this has a plan far greater than we could have ever imagined. We're going to talk about that more in the next couple of weeks, but consider this. Jonah waited for three days and three nights, and on the other side of that period of waiting, there was an empire that was ready to hear the word of God. I am confident that on the other side of our waiting, God is preparing to do great things. And here's just a little bit of of why I'm so confident of this. Listen, the the church continues to be at the forefront of charity and generosity, just as it should be and just as it has been historically. You you look back at any major disaster that's ever happened in the history of the world, and, and since the church has been in existence, it has been God's people that have always risen to the occasion. God's people are always at the forefront of, of, of the humanitarian efforts that, that need to take place. And it's the same way during this virus, during this pandemic right now. The church is at the forefront. And so because of that, the, the church is gaining influence with people that it may not have had influence with otherwise. And so I believe God is preparing the church for, for what's next. In that, too, God has opened up the church literally to to the entire world there are people who are who have been resistant to engaging with the church in traditional settings who on a sunday morning normally wouldn't come to a church service but but our church and many churches around the world have been able to engage with people 
who wouldn't normally engage with us. And if you're one of those people that are they're watching this right now and you wouldn't come to church on a Sunday morning, but you've been watching us online, let me just say how grateful I am that, that you've given us an opportunity to, to be a part of your Sunday morning, to, to interact with you uh, through this means. I, I am grateful for, for your participation in our worship, and, I, and I'm praying that God is doing something amazing in your life. But, but church folks, Glendale Christian Church and, and churches all around the world, listen to me on this. We have to be ready for what's next. The church has literally been open to the entire world through this virus. And even though our, our doors are closed and we're not meeting in person, we, we have been able to reach parts of the world that we would never have been able to reach otherwise. And that excites me. But it also means that instead of asking how long, we need to be asking what's next. Because if the church isn't ready to build relationships with those who, who have been engaged with the church during this, this time of waiting, then we'll have wasted our time in the waiting room. Church, we, we have to be ready to, to interact with people who haven't been traditionally interacting with us on a Sunday morning. And if, if you're a person that doesn't normally come to church on a Sunday morning, can I just encourage you that when all of this is over and we're able to, to meet in person together, would you come and give us a try? Just come and enjoy a worship service. I promise you it's not as bad or as painful as you might think it is. But, but church family, let me also remind you that if they show up, when they show up, that if they're met with being ignored and as if they're, they don't matter, if they're not greeted warmly and they're not shown the love of, of Christ, then we will have wasted our time in the waiting room. We need to begin now to, to figure out how we're going to build relationships so that, we can, so that we can take advantage of this time of waiting so that people who, who don't know Jesus might come to know Jesus because of our being prepared, because we have waited patiently and we have waited diligently. We cannot waste our time in the waiting room. And if so if God has appointed means and appointed times, then He has also for those appointed ends. And we'll get more into that in the, in the coming weeks. But, but the appointed end for, for Jonah was not only that a nation would repent from their wickedness, but also that he would repent from, from his own rebellion. And that's the appointed ends to which God is bringing all of us, to, to a saving relationship with Him, that we would repent from our own rebellion. Through the appointed means, at the appointed time, God brought Jonah to this appointed end. And maybe the appointed means right now is an online church service. And the appointed time is today. Scripture constantly says that today is the day of salvation. And the, the appointed means is that you would begin to think about what your next step in your walk with Christ would be. Maybe that's what, what God is bringing you to right now. And Jonah realizes this, that, that God is bringing him to an appointed end. And when he realizes this, he prays, and it's a powerful prayer. It's over in chapter 2. We're going to read it. Here's what it says. It says, from, the inside, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From, from the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. 
The, the engulfing waters, they threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I love that imagery there. That's how desperate Jonah was. He says, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. I I love the imagery here, but I love what Scripture says. It says that Jonah prayed out of the depths. He prayed from, from the belly of the fish, from the depths of the grave. Jonah had fallen to the lowest of lows, to the lowest depths, even to what he was sure was his grave. He'd fallen to the depths of of his sin, and he'd sunk into the depths of his disobedience. And out of the depths of the grave, Jonah cried out to God. Here's a beautiful reminder for us that there is no place too low, that, that we cannot cry out to God for help. There is no grave too dark or sea too deep that, that you cannot call out to God. You, you might even say that it's only when we recognize that we're that on our own we cannot save ourselves that on our own that we are helpless and hopeless do we fully begin to see the grace and the mercy that God has that is running toward us I absolutely love the verse the first line of verse 2 it says in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me the circumstances that Jonah finds himself in they are all of his own doing they are all be- because of the results of bad choices that he made. And now in the depths of his disobedience and and despair, Jonah begins to pray. And he prays with urgency. Now, admittedly, most of us don't pray until we have nothing else to do but pray. And I think Jonah finds himself in in that same situation. Obviously, that's not ideal, but but maybe better late than never, right? I think it's a remarkable demonstration of God's grace that God even delights to answer seemingly late prayers. But also notice that, that not only did Jonah pray out of the depths and, and despair, but, but God answered him. Why, why, would Jonah, why would God answer Jonah here? Why would, why would he answer you or me when, when we ha- have made a mess of our lives? You know, we didn't pray before the trouble. We, we didn't pray while we were creating the problem. But, but now we've created this huge mess and all of a sudden we want to call on God. It's an incredible testimony to, to God's grace and goodness that He answers prayers that are after the fact of our disobedience. Someone has once said, and I'm sure you've heard, th- heard this phrase too, I- I'm too blessed to be stressed. But sometimes the blessed comes in the middle of the stressed. Because it's in those distressing moments that we learn to call on God. It's in those distressing moments that, that I'm most clearly reminded of my need and dependence on God. And Jonah wasn't any different. He didn't cry out when he was above the water. He, it, it wasn't until he was in the belly of the, of the well of the fish that he called out to God. Thankfully, God says in Psalm 81, 7, it says, You called out in distress, and I rescued you. And the psalmist writes in in Psalm 120, verse 1, he says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. How good is that? How good is that, that that in our distress God answers us, that God rescues us, 
that, that it's never too late to call on God. If you, have, if you have wind in your lungs, a beat in your heart, then you can call on God. Yeah, you, you should have prayed yesterday, but you can pray now. Yeah, you should have repented yesterday, but you can repent now. Yeah, you should have been baptized yesterday. You should have done all of those things yesterday. But it's not too late. You, you can still do that today. We've all probably lived long enough to know that it's in those, in those distressing moments that, that people most often cry out to God. It's not amazing to me that sinners would do that, that sinners would pray in distressing moments. What's amazing to me is that God delights to answer the prayers of rebellious sinners. It's not amazing to me that people would rebel against God. We've been doing that since the beginning of time. What is amazing is that God's grace and mercy still come running to those rebels. So here's what I want to challenge you with as, as we close our time this morning. Some of you are in distress. Some of you are in situations that you never thought you would be in, maybe because of your own doing, maybe because of somebody else's doing, and you simply don't know what else to do. Call out to God. He's waiting for you to cry out to Him. He has grace and mercy that's been chasing after you if you would just stop running. So some of you, you haven't fully come to the divine in which God is calling you. That, that you would come into a saving relationship with Him. Would, would you consider what is required of you and, and begin the process of accepting this incredible grace and mercy that comes running to us? And, and, for, and for different people who are all on different parts of the of the walk with with christ it looks different for some of you maybe it's the very first time that you need to you need to cry out to god and you need to to let god know that hey i've been running for far too long and and, and i need to 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 follow you would, would you cry out to god because i promise you this god hears you for some of you you you've been you've been walking along the path for for a while you've been following christ for for a long time and and you've seemingly veered off the road for a little bit. It's time to get back on track. Would you cry out to God today, this morning, because God is waiting to move you back on track. He, he wants you to follow Him. For some of you, it's, it's taking the, the next step in your walk with Christ and giving your life over to Him completely and, and surrendering to His grace and His mercy and, and taking that step of being baptized. Now, obviously, we're not meeting in person, but you can still be baptized. A, a preacher doesn't have to be the one that baptizes you. You can. Uh, I've seen videos uh, that in just this week of people who have filled their bathtubs and and have been baptized at home. Or if if we need to to do something different, we can we we can make it happen. We can be creative in in our process to get you to that step. So here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you just to consider where you're at in your walk with Christ. And what's the next step that you need to take? And, and if you're considering taking a step, would you please reach out to us through a call, through a text, through an email, through a message, whatever, because we would love to talk more with you about, about your next step and what it looks like. And even though the doors of the church are closed right now, the church is not closed. In fact, the church has never been more open than, it, than it's been in the last 2,000 years. And we want to be a part of that process for you. We want to help you take your next step following Jesus. I promise you, if 
you're ready to cry out to God, just like he heard Jonah, he will hear you. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And I am so thankful that you hear our prayers. That when we are in times of distress, we can call out to you. And Father, yeah, maybe we need to, to be better in our habits of talking to you, even when, when things aren't bad. But Father, I am so thankful that in, in moments of good, but also in moments of bad, you hear us. That we can cry out to you. Father, would you hear our prayers this morning? Father, if there's someone who, who needs to take that next step in following you, um, whether it's, it's to surrender their lives over completely and, and to be baptized in, into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, or, or maybe it's just you know, for, for the first time in a very long time they need to, to repent of, of sins, to confess sin to you, Father, would they do that? Would, would they make that step? Father, thank you for allowing us to engage with people literally all over the world. Would we not waste our time of waiting? That when we're able to, to meet back in person, that we would be ready to build relationships. That we would be ready to love people the way that you have loved us. Father, thank you for, for lessons that we learned from, from this great story of Jonah. And thank you that even thousands of years later, those lessons still apply to our lives today. Father, thank you for Jesus, and thank you for the grace and the mercy that comes running to us if we'll just stop running. Father, thank you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.